First uh, Peter chapter three is where we're going to be today. We're going to start in verse one, go to verse seven, and uh, and we're going to uh, get out of here in time for us to grab some lunch and come back for the fall fest. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live. When, the, when they observe your pure, reverent lives, your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of what is inside the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For in the past, the, the holy woman who put their hope in God had, and God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and are not frightened by anything alarming. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with an understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love, for your kindness, for your generosity. Lord, I, I'm just so thankful for this church and for their love for you, their love for your word. And I pray that as we look at your scriptures today, that you would allow for us to hear a message from you, allow for us to, to hear truth and to know that, that Lord, that this is written 2,000 years ago. It still has implications on our life today. That's still your word. It's still true. It's still applicable. Father, help us to be obedient. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in this. And so, Lord, if you would, forgive me my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is, that is needed to, to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name, in a way to bring sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I, I pray that today is the day of their salvation, that a day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has, has never done that, and today is the day where they, they cast aside every distraction, every hindrance, every, and just say, Lord, I'm going to follow you, I pray that you receive the honor of that, Lord. That that would be a decision between them and you, but that wouldn't be just leave it there. They would just come and say, hey, I, I made a, a public profession of faith. I, I want to share with others what Christ has done in my life. Lord, I, I pray for the believer that's here today that, that may be struggling or going through hardships or, or having a, a rough time in their faith or just having a, a rough week. Maybe they're tired or weary. Maybe they have a, a family member that's sick or a loved one that's going through heart, and they're just, they, they're weary. They're tired. Maybe even distracted. Father, I pray that you would help them today to focus on you and what you would have them to do next, the next steps, the next act of obedience. Father, here our prayers this morning and allow for 
you to make yourself known to us today. And I, I pray, Lord, that whatever happens in this place today, that you receive honor and glory. Lord Jesus, we love you. Pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Believers have a responsibility to act out of love for God, the kingdom of God, and others. Believers have a responsibility to act out of love for God, for the kingdom of God, and others. Yesterday, uh, my boys and I, we went to the, to the Royals-Yankees baseball game. The first baseball game they've ever been to, and we had a good time, and I'm, I was thankful for the playground. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good time. Uh, you know, Salvador Perez, catcher for the Royals, great, great baseball player, hit a home run. It's neat to see. Good, good to be there, you know. And Salvador Perez, he's uh, at the beginning of the season was named the, the captain of the Royals. And that may not seem like a big deal, but they've, only, they've actually only named three captains in all of the Royals' history. It's not, you know, in football, and bat, they name captains every year, but in baseball, they don't do that. This is the third time they've ever named a captain. Salvador Perez is, um, you know, just a great baseball player. But, you know, this year he's also, he's been nominated for the Roberto Clemente Award. It's a character award that the MLB gives out each year. And, I, you know, I won't go into all of his, the things that he does, but if you read about what he does, not just on the field, but what he does off the field, it's just as impressive, right? The man that he is off the field is actually more impressive than what he is on the field. Great baseball player, great person. You know, and I think he's a guy that a lot of people can look up to, and a lot of people do. Do you have, do you have people like that in your life? Men, women that you look up to, that you see, and you think, man, I, you know, I want to be like that person. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's, you know, a teacher, coach. Who is it in your life that you've looked up to? Sorry, I can't hear you. Uh, but I just, I think that there are, there are people like that, right? We all need people in our life, individuals. First one, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husband so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word. By the way their wives live, when they observe pure, when they observe your pure and reverent lives. The word submit means here to obey, to be submissive, to be under the influence of. Dr. Bob Utley, uh, New Testament professor, that's, he's, he's retired really now from teaching at the university setting, but he still does a lot of teaching online and uh, overseas and that nature. He says that we often think about submissiveness as a negative thing, but it's an adjective that describes our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus was submissive to his own parents, and he was submissive to his heavenly Father. If Jesus was submissive, I mean, if our Christ, our Savior, our Lord, if he was submissive, I mean, is that, is that bad of a thing? Doesn't that mean that we should be submissive as well? It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of obedience, maturity, faithfulness. 
I know some of you husbands are elbowing your wife today and saying amen, you know. Why do you think Peter is talking about this? I mean, why does Peter talk about submissiveness to wives with the same breath that he talks about it with political leaders? Slaves with your masters? Wives with, like, why is it? Is it because all political leaders are worthy of submission? All masters are treating their slaves with dignity? Was it because husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church? Of course not. If, if Abraham Lincoln was running for president, would you vote for him? If Billy Graham was your preacher this morning, would you believe him? If Vince Lombardi was your football coach, would you do what he said? Women, wives, and of all the men in the world, you chose him. Out of all the men in the world, he's the one that you chose. Now, some of you made some poor decisions. <laughs> I mean, some of you acted out of haste. Let's just be honest. I mean, you got impatient. Listen, some of y'all could have done better, all right? I mean, but of all the men, you chose him. All right? Let's just be honest. And, and, and men, she chose you. Like, listen, fellas, you can live a million lives, all right? And you could never do better than you've done on this one, all right? Like, there's just, I mean, you've outkicked your coverage. There isn't a guy here, like, that's. But you chose her, too. All right? She expects you to love her in the same way that Christ loves the church. And if you do that, if you love her in the same way that our Christ loves you, loves her, I promise you, she will run through a wall for you. She's chosen you, and she expects you to treat her with honor and dignity and love and compassion the same way that our Lord and Savior does. At this time, a, a girl would become a lady about the age of 15, and most of them would marry a man that was more like 25 to 30, in some cases even older than that. There's a big difference between someone who is 15 and someone who is 30. That's not just true then and it's not just true now. It's true, period, okay? So some of the things that Peter is saying here, it, it is culturally, okay? It, it's relevant at that time, but the principle is still the same. It still remains true today. Verse 3, 
Don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles, hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what's inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This is, a, this is and was a wisdom saying. Peter isn't forbidding women. He, they, could, they could still wear jewelry. They could still wear fine clothes. They, but their character should be adorned more so than their apparel. What matters more than what's on the outside is on what's the inside. Uh, at this time, wealthy husbands, would, they would dress up their wives with fine clothes and jewelry, and it would be like a status symbol. And if you were wealthy, you could do that, right? I mean, you could, but if you were poor, you, you didn't have the wealth to, to do that to your wife. I mean, your wife would be wearing basically the same piece of clothing every day. She might have a second one, but most People that were poor had one article of clothing that they wore every day. And so for these women, were they valued? I mean, does God not love the poor woman? Well, of course he does. And Peter said, hey, listen, your value and that your husband loves you, even though he doesn't, he can't do that. that your value in the, in the eyes of God it's not based off of your outward appearance. It's based upon your heart, your character, your purity, your faithfulness. For many years, the, the church had said that in order for you to come to church, suit and tie, dress and heels. And what if, what if you don't have a suit and tie, right? And what if you don't have a dress and heels? Does that mean that you can't? It's funny because sometimes like the church, they focus on the wrong things, and instead of focusing on the things that's really important, we focus on outward things that really had no. I mean, do you think Jesus really cares if you wear a suit and tie or dress and heels or blue jeans and a t-shirt? Sometimes like we, maybe I, let's just put it this way. Maybe sometimes I, I have to ask myself, what are we, like, why am I doing this? You know, why are we doing this as a church? I mean, I, I can be guilty as a pastor of trying to grow a church and not minister to people. But my calling as a pastor is, is to minister to people. It's to preach the good news to people. Like, that's my calling. And I, I really do believe that the best way to grow a church is to preach God's word. Like, that's the best formula for church growth. This is what feeds our soul. You want people to, to come to know Jesus? Preach to them the gospel. Sometimes we focus on the wrong things. We care about this, we care about that, and instead of focusing in on what's actually important. That's true of our own lives. Sometimes we focus on the outward things, and rather what's inside is what's corrupt and bad and, and damaged. It needs to be fixed, it needs to be restored, it needs to be healed. There's some analogies we could use that we're not going to today, but I do question our motives sometimes. I question my own. The, NAS, the NASB translates this text, let not your adornment be merely external. In 1 Timothy, Paul says also, 
The women are to dress themselves in modest clothing, with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who affirm that they worship God. Again, the principle here isn't our behavior. It shouldn't be focused on the outward, but rather on the inner. A person's beauty and worth is found on who they truly are, their character, their morals, their principles, their values, and how they live those out on a daily basis. It's not based upon the outside appearance. Friends, Peter says in verse 4, women have a gentle and quiet spirit. Some of you ladies might be offended by this. I'm sure that if there are people who don't know Peter's heart here and they hear this, they will, they will be. It wasn't the case at this time. It was culturally appropriate for Peter to say to the women, have a gentle and quiet spirit. And let me tell you why I think that you shouldn't be offended by this. The word gentle means meek, kind, humane, forgiving, mild. I know those are all terrible things. What Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the what? The meek, for they will what? They shall inherit the earth. And the same, the same word in Greek, friends, the same word here is used. In Matthew 5 and in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's praos, praos. It's used only four times in all of the New Testament, friends. 1 Peter 3, it's talking about women. Matthew 5, it's talking about disciples. You know the other two times are used? Jesus uses them. Matthew 11, all of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle, weak, and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourself. So he's talking about himself here. Jesus, our Lord, for because I am what? I'm gentle, I'm meek. Matthew 21. Tell daughter Zion, look, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt. Something we shouldn't run away from, friends. Being gentle, meek, quiet. Something we should embrace. Peter even says it's a, it's a great worth in the sight of God. Verse 5. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands. So just as Sarah obeyed Adam, Abraham, calling him, Lord, you have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. What Peter is referencing here is Genesis chapter 18. Sarah says to God, after he tells her that she is going to give birth to and have a baby, this is what she says. After I've worn out and my master is old, why not have this? And so he's call, she's calling her husband master. The word for Lord in the Hebrew language is Adonai, Okay. It means master, servant, mister. It also means in Hebrew, guess what? Husband. Earth-shattering news here, friends. Okay? It's a verbal sign of respect. And Peter is calling wives 
respect their husbands. That's all he's doing. He said, hey, wives, respect your husbands. Have honor for them. At the same time, though, he says what? Don't allow them to... Let me just kind of take a break here for a second. Let's just think about this for a second. Peter, again, is writing this to... Not, it's an open letter, right? It's not just to one church. It's to multiple churches in Rome. And this is, the, the church in Rome is experiencing heavy persecution, okay? Because of their faith, Nero's there. He's, he's, every Christian is like, they got a, a bullseye on their back. And, and some of the people that have professed faith in Jesus Christ, they were, before they professed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, like they were married to, a, to another person, okay? And because they were married, doesn't mean that like, well, you know, some of you got saved after you got married, right? And just because you profess faith in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that what? Your spouse does. That's the case in this situation, okay? They, they're professing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and yet their husband has not. And so what, what's Peter saying? He's saying, hey, listen, some of you are, have made a profession of faith, and your husband has yet to do so. And because there's a, a target on your back, one of the people that might be aiming for your back is, guess what? Your husband. Your husband may be trying to cause you to disown or to, to, to step away, to, to back. What am I trying to say here? To, uh, your husband is trying to get you to deny your faith. And he might be causing hardships at home. He might try to use fear as a tactic to get you to deny your faith, to walk away from it all. And Peter is saying here, listen, at no point does this give you an opportunity to dishonor your husband. But what it does do is say, hey, listen, there's no fear tactic that you can present to me that's going to cause me to walk away from my faith. That's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not a, hey, sick in a marriage and take on the abuse card either. But what it is is, hey, be faithful. When you can honor your husband, honor him. Important for the husbands to hear as well. As, as they hear this message, listen to what he says in verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, live out with your wives in an understanding way as with a, a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will be not hindered. Peter did not want husbands to take advantage of their wives. He didn't want them to take advantage of them. 
in a way that would dishonor them, dishonor themselves, dishonor their wives. He wanted them to live with their wife in an understanding way. What does that mean? Well, one, they need to understand that their wife is the weaker partner. What does that mean? What does it mean to be weaker? It means, I think, two things in particular. One is social status. At this time, friends, the women were not allowed to do the things that the men were able to do. So socially, they couldn't get the same education, the same opportunities. They were just weaker socially by nature. Again, I know this is contextual at this time. But what it also meant was physical, that the women were physically not as strong as the men. Friends, it's it's NFL season. Let's just use this for just a quick example. I I watched a lot of games last week, didn't watch all of them, but I did not see one woman, one, one female playing football in the NFL. Okay, you know why that is? Because women are smarter than men. I mean, like, they're, let's take a 200-pound guy and a 250-pound guy, and let's run as fast as we can and hit each other in the head. Women are smaller than, I mean, like, listen, bigger, faster, stronger. But what they are, like, what he isn't talking about here is weaker, isn't spiritually or intellectually. That's not what he's talking about at all. If If he did, he wouldn't say this in verse 7. They are co-heirs with you. Peter says that they may be weaker socially, they may be weaker physically, but they aren't weaker spiritually. They are co-heirs to the kingdom of God. They just treat them accordingly. They're your brothers and uh, your sisters. You guys are brothers and sisters in Christ. I know you're married, but spiritually you're the same. Christ died for you, both of you. There's no hierarchy of believers. We're all equals. We're all co-heirs with Christ. We're all priests in the eyes of God. There isn't a one that's better than the other. Understand that about your spouse. That God died, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for them just like he did for you. Peter says, if you do this, God will hear your prayers, men. If you look at this word weaker in the New Testament, it's used 26 times. 26 times. Let me just give you a couple, okay? I'm not going to read all of these, but let me give you a few. And if you think weaker is a bad thing, just read the, just listen. Matthew 25, 43. I was a stranger and you do not welcome me, naked, and you do not clothe me, sick, weak, and in prison, and you do not visit me. Watch, Matthew 26, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Acts 5, 16, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the weak and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Romans 5, 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We are all fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, you are strong. You are held in high honor, but we in disrepute. On the contrary, verse, I'm sorry, uh, 
1 Corinthians 12, 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? Indispensable. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And we urge you, brothers, to admonish the idle and encourage the faint-hearted to help the what? The weak. Be patient with them all. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God shows what is what? Weak. Be patient with them all. If I could go back to just the, the very beginning of this book, this, this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 3. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands so that even if you, if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message. By the way their wives live, when they observe your pure and reverent lives. So that they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live when they observe your pure and reverent lives. This word pure means blameless. And y'all, and y'all fit that? Blameless? holy, pure, without blemish. Without a message, but by the way that they live their life. Pure, blameless, reverent lives. Francis Assisi said that Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. Friends, the, the, the best, I mean, some of you, I mean, some of you don't even want to preach the gospel. I mean, you don't want, like, the last thing you want to do is just share your faith with other people. And here, I mean, Peter's saying, hey, listen, all you got to do is live a, a reverent, pure life. That's good enough. Now, that's actually more important, friends. Because when people look at you, they're going to see what you truly believe, who you truly are. And the reality is it's harder to actually live it out than to speak it out. It's harder for you to live out your faith than it is to speak out your faith. It's easy to spew information. I can do it sometimes better than others. But let me tell you, it's, it's harder to live it out on a daily basis. And you know what's really hard? In my home with my wife, with my kids. It's tough. It's challenging. It's not easy. And the longer you get to know somebody, the more they know about you. And that's not just in the home, but it's in our interpersonal relationships. I, I was talking to a young doctor this week. He was... Um, him and his, just, just had a simple conversation. And I was telling him, I, I asked him if he knew somebody in our church and Don Gossett. He goes, yeah, I know Don. He goes, man, he is, him and Cheryl are just, just the, the best people. I mean, man, they are, they, they are the real deal. And I said, you, 
You mean Cheryl? I know for some of you, this is, this is like old hat type of stuff, right? I mean, like people, like some of you all get it. You live it out on a daily basis. But for others of you, living out your faith is challenging, it's hard. And you don't know, like you don't know what step to take next. You don't know how to live pure and blameless lives. You say you're, you're a believer, you say you profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but where's the action? I grew up in a really small church, friends, and I, I didn't know what discipleship was until I was 20 years old. Never heard the word in my entire life. Got saved when I was about 10. So for 10 years, I was just doing everything that everybody else did. But at some point, I, I realized that I had to make a, a decision to say, I want more of, my, of Jesus Christ in my life. I want my faith to be more than it does right now. And I, I realized I had to make changes in who I was. I had to change my people, change my places, change my things. I had to make drastic changes in my life. And that caused friendships to end. It caused... Activities and organizations to change. Am I, am I blameless? Am I pure? Man, I'm like the furthest thing from it, y'all. But Jesus Christ has made me pure. He has washed away my sins. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, friends, that, that he is my Savior, he is my Lord, and he is the grace that I have every single day to get up here and to preach God's Word. Like, I can't do it without him, friends. And you can't live this life. You can't be the wife that you're supposed to be, the husband that you're supposed to be, the child of God that you're supposed to be without his grace. You can't do it. You need him. And I promise you, like, this word will help you get there. The more time you spend in it, the more time you spend in it, the more you will be like Jesus Christ. We don't worship this. We worship him. But this is his word. He gives it to you for instructions. It feeds your soul, friends. It's like meat and potatoes. I shared this on, on Wednesdays, and I've shared it before. But I, if, you, if you take a survey of all the people that are in this room, and you ask each person, where are you growing the most in your faith? They're not going to say right here. Like, I wish, I wish that was the answer, right? I wish it was my, my preaching. But it's not. Over and over again, they're going to say it's through a Bible study, a small group. Sunday school class, time with other believers. Friends, we are created for community, created for time with other believers. As iron sharpens iron, so one man will sharpen. Like that's, you need time in the Word, and you need time with other people. Like I promise you, the, if you start spending time with a group of guys or a group of girls or a group of people, 
and you study the Word together, I promise you it's going to spark a fire underneath you. There are some great studies that are happening at Wyatt Park Baptist Church, and there's a lot of churches in this community that do a lot of great Bible studies. But if you want to grow in your faith, get involved in one. Set some time each day to read this Word. And just watch. Watch. Sin that so easily entangles us will begin to fall away. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity that we have together together in this place. I thank you for your word, how it allows us to be the people that you called us to be. We know that through your grace, Lord, that you give us salvation, you give us Christ's likeness. You give us opportunities to serve. And Father, I pray that you would allow us this opportunity now in this time of worship to to hear a message from you in these final moments. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. If there's someone here today that's never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here today that may be struggling or maybe just going through a hard time, looking for an opportunity to grow in their faith, I pray, Lord, that this would be a time where you just give them some direction, that you speak to them, that you allow for them to respond in a way that would bring you honor and glory and that would help them to become the man or woman that you've called them to be. Lord, be honored and glorified in this time of invitation. Lord Jesus, we love you. I pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen.